Welcome to another episode of Becoming Unfuckwithable with your host, Mindy Harley. Warning, listening to this podcast might cause you to shatter your limited beliefs, recognize your potential and motivate you to be the best you can be. Other side effects may include, but not limited, to grabbing life by the balls, taking no crap from anyone, becoming an unstoppable force at various aha moments to get you thinking outside the box. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Becoming Unfuckwithable. It's awesome to have you guys here. And today's guest is very special. His name is Joe Arco, and he is a fitness and business consultant. He's also a 2017 International Trainer of the Year, 2017 Fitness Hall of Fame nominee, host of the TV show Body Fuel, and contributing author for Strong Magazine and Inside Fitness Magazine, and contributing author for Men's Health Online. This is going to be a really awesome episode for all of you young entrepreneurs in the fitness industry. Get ready, because we're going to get started right now. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Becoming Unfuckwithable. I'm your host, Mindy Harley, and today I am so excited to have on the show with me Joe Arco. He's bringing in 20 years of experience in the fitness industry, and we are going to be picking his brain today. All you guys that have wanted to learn about how to build your own business in the fitness industry, what you need to do, how you need to go about it. We're going to be digging into that right away for you guys. Joe, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Mindy. And I like how you started with the 20 years of experience, making me feel old before we even get started today. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's 20 years of years experience. You know, it's, it's not old. It's well, well, well-versed in knowledge. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, Joe, I mean, you've you've acquired quite a resume. I mean, if anyone needs to learn from somebody about building a business in the fitness industry, it's going to be yourself. You were 2017 International Trainer of the Year, 2017 Fitness Hall of Fame nominee. You're the founder of the Elite Performance Center. You're the host of the TV show Body Fuel. You're a contributing author for Strong Magazine, Inside Fitness Magazine. And you're also contributing author for Men's Health Online. Wow. And that's just like a little bit. I didn't even... That's a little bit. Just a little <laughs> bit. Just a little taste. So how did, uh, how did this all get started for you, Joe? Um, to be honest with you, I remember being 19 years old. I was living in uh, Meadowville, Ontario, Canada. And that was kind of like my first start of, of wanting to get in shape. I, I, mean, I grew up playing hockey very competitive since the age of, uh, you know, grade four. And I was drafted to the OHL, um, and I was told that unless I gained about 25 or 30 pounds that I wouldn't be playing hockey anymore. I was, I was a tall, skinny kid growing up my entire life. So, of course, went to the magazine. So, you know, if you want to be big, what do you listen to? You, you go to Flex Magazine and guys like Dory and Grace in the covers. And I thought, hey, I want to be big like these guys. And I just became so enthralled and so immersed in – in the gym. So I ended up getting a job working at the gym at, at 19. Um, at that time, I was a gym rat. So literally 6 a.m. To, to 7 p.m., I'd be putting away weights, cleaning the bathrooms. I'd have to open the gym, close the gym. I did this for a long period of time. And every time I asked the manager, I'm like, look, I see these guys strolling in with their coffee, setting their own hours. I'm like, I want to be a trainer. And he's yeah. like, there's no chance. He's like, there's no chance in hell that you're going to be a trainer right now. So I did that for, for some time. About a year later, I ended up moving to 
to Ottawa, and uh, I still remember kind of walking into the Rito Center in Ottawa, and I walked into A Good Life and put in a resume and, and, and got my first kind of paid personal training job, and uh, kind of the rest was history after that. Oh, wow. Just like that. <laughs> Just like that. So, I mean, um, you know, I, I started my experience with the big box gym. I spent about, about three years there um, learning as much as I could. So, I mean, I went from... I mean, I still remember the first time someone paying six ninety nine to 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 be able to train with me, and you know, being a a twenty year old kid, I thought, oh my god, this is the most insane thing in the world. Someone's giving me this money to help them get in shape, and you know, over those three years, I went from personal trainer to fitness manager, and then running some clubs. Um, it, got, it gave me a lot of exposure from from sales, managing people, understanding how gyms work, the yeah. ins and outs of of the actual business, and then from there, I went on to work for some studios had a franchise, spent about five years bouncing around studios. And then uh, 2013, I uh, opened up my own performance center, which is the Elite Performance Center, which I just sold this year. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Yes. Yeah, so uh, thank you for saying congratulations. A lot of people are like, oh, no, really? I'm like, oh, my God, it's the best thing I ever did. Yeah, um, I know. So I sold that. And now the only thing that I do is business consulting with a company called Learn to Earn and my ATS certification program. So my, my sole vision right now is to take trainers and to do, th- to do two things. Make them better trainers in terms of how they actually work with their clients. And then the other side of that is actually teach trainers how to run a business, which I feel is vastly missing in this industry, is you have such passionate people or you have educated people who really are good at what they do, who have no idea how to actually make a profitable living doing what they're very passionate about. So um, earlier this year, we started the business Learn to Earn, where we have mentorship programs, we have online resources. And we're basically creating a way to help trainers, whether they're big box gym trainers, whether they are in studios or own their own studios, depending on where they are, we help them learn how to actually run the business of personal training. Oh, wow. So how many, um, how many clients are you are usually juggling at a time for something like this? Ah, well, in our mentorship program, we cap that out. So we only allow 18 people in every six months for our mentorship program because yeah. uh, we work with them one-on-one. And we're basically, it, it, like, basically our mentorship program is like, I don't know if you've ever seen like the restaurant makeover shows yeah, where, yeah, you know, guy, yeah. guy, guy comes in and just kind of like rips your business apart and puts it back together and, and yeah. helps you, you know, <laughs> turn a profit. That's kind of what we do with our mentorship programs. And then we, we offer two days, like, kind of two-day workshops and courses to kind of give people a better understanding of, a little bit of information about the business, but most of our work is done through our mentorship. And then in the new year, um, starting in spring of next year, we're going to be launching online courses. So if you want to build an ebook, if you want to do a podcast, if you want to do a webinar, we will literally take you through step by step by step and show exactly how to do all those things. Ah, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, and that's going to be launching when again, you said? We are hoping by March or April of next year. March or April next year. Spring yeah. launch. Yes. Very cool. So what else? I mean, when you when you started up um, EPC Elite Performance Center. Yes. EPC for short. Um, what year was that? 2013. 2013. And you just sold it now. Yeah. So on the cusp of like 2018. So five years. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's a pretty phenomenal uh, achievement. I mean, to do that from ground zero with 2013 all the way up to just before 2018. I mean, was that always kind of the end goal for you? (laughs) 
Um, so if you don't, I'll, I'll back up just a second. EPC was, um, have you ever seen the movie Field of Dreams with Kevin Costner? Oh, gosh. <laughs> We're both going to feel like dinosaurs here. Yes, yes, I have. <laughs> so, so EPC for me was literally my field of dreams. I was frustrated. I was recently um, about six months into a divorce. I was tired of working at the studio that I was working at. It was a small little 1,300-square-foot studio. And I'm like, there's got to be a better way of doing things. Oh, my God. So I got this little bug in my ear to, to open up my own spot. And I had no money and I had no resources. <laughs> but yeah. I thought, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open up a spot. So, you know, using the whole power of intention and visualization, I'm like, look, I'm just going to get a, a real estate guy. I'm going to start looking at spots, just looking at them, just starting to get a feel of them, see what's going to cost me. And then maybe a year from now, I will be able to save up and, and get a spot. Well, it's kind of like test driving a car or seeing something for the very first time. You're like, once you see it and you believe, you're like, oh my God, I have to have this now. So we started looking at some spots that were like 3,000 square foot. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. I'm like, ah, it's too small. That was like 4,000 square feet, 5,000 square feet. And eventually I was shown this spot. It was just over 8,000 square feet, which is a pretty big studio. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I saw this spot. I just had this vision like, holy shit. I'm like, I can do so much with this. So I ended up signing a lease, and then I realized I'm like, I don't have any money. I'm like, holy shit, I need some money <laughs> to, uh, to pay for this. Yeah. And, um, and hopefully we'll talk about this a little bit later, but one thing that I've learned years ago is the power of asking. And I just started asking as many people as I could. And from clients to, to family to friends, I literally made it my mission that I had to come up with X amount of dollars. It was a lot more than I thought I needed. And it took weeks and weeks and weeks of just people saying no, no, no. I even had a family member say no to me right in my face, and, you know, basically saying this is not going to work. And, you know, when your own family tells you that something's not going to work, you either react in two different ways. One, people go, oh, my God, man, this is a bad idea. I'm kind of like, fuck it, watch it. Yeah. <laughs> watch me succeed, and you can watch what's going to happen. And I finally found one person to give me half of what I needed. And that kind of snowballed. Once I finally had one person to believe in my vision, it was a client of mine. Um, one of my best friends pitched in as well. He just opened up a company, had some extra capital. He gave that to me. And then finally, my last, the family member who said no said, hey, you know what? If these two people are willing to give you the money, I'll give you the rest. And, and just like that, in a matter of about a month, I came up with all the money that I needed to, to open up this club. And all of it was almost interest-free. Basically, people believing in me, saying, look, pay this back in three years, and, and here you go. And so problem number one was, was done. I had money to, to build up this location. And problem number two was now I need to renovate it and I got to find some trainers. And I also had a full clinic in there. So I had physio, cardio, osteo, osteo, all that stuff. And um, it was two months of, of every single day, seven days a week, 12 hours a day. And I don't, I'm not even exaggerating by that statement. Um, this was a used car, like a, like a chop shop. Um, this place was an absolute disaster. Every wall in there had to be like literally scrubbed because it was, the paint was peeling off of it. Every drywall in the offices had to be taken off and, and redone. The bathrooms had to be gutted. It was, it was a huge undertaking. Um, I was a little naive to think of how good my skills were, which was renovating. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I, I called upon a lot of people. At one time, we had 20 people in there, friends and family, just painting and cleaning and, and, and organizing and, and doing all kinds of stuff. So it took me about two and a half months or so just to get it up and running. And by the time we opened up, I had found – a small handful of trainers to, to basically almost cover my rents. I had a, a clinic in there, so I had an osteopath, a massage therapist, and a physio to get us started. And from day one, we were making money. And it just kind of grew and grew and grew year after year. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, wow. That is incredible. Like, how, 
Well, when you started too, because I mean, you, it was basically up and running. There wasn't a lot of word of word of mouth, like you know, to to spread that you know, you were open and like you know, how did you choose your advertising for that? It was old school. Honestly, it was old school. Uh, knocking on doors, it was building relationships, it was finding people. To give you an idea, I didn't have Facebook at this point. Okay. And I didn't have Instagram at this point. You know, so I mean, people who 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 think that. You know, there's a certain generation of people who probably don't even realize that, that businesses used to actually exist prior to social media days. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and those are the old – and I'm still very old school in that way. I love building relationships, getting out with people, networking people, talking to people. I'm very passionate about getting someone in front of me and be able to show them the passion that I have for what I do. And it was literally just, you know, you know being in, in, in the area for, for quite some time, knowing so many people – it was just knocking on doors, emailing, calling, and eventually, you know, I found one person who brought in two or three people. They brought in a few people, and it just started to grow from there. Amazing. See, and a lot of people, I feel nowadays, like they don't, and I mean maybe because they haven't grown up with it either, but they forget, you know, the significance of doing things old school to get results that still hold weight even today. You know, and it's that networking, getting in front of people like face to face, and building those relationships, too. That I mean, you can call upon that afterwards, just as you did, you know, to help build your business up like that without even having to go on Facebook. I mean, you could still rely on the old school ways to help build up your business if you're, you know, someone that's going to take advantage of, you know, the networking opportunities that are in front of them. I gotta be honest. I think the old school way is going to come back. And is going to beat all the new school ways, you know. And uh, it's funny when we look at uh, the mentorship program that we ran. We had an idea of, you know, we wanted to get about. We were happy if we had ten people. You know, it's a higher level price point to join our program. And we're like, you know, if we can get ten people, you know, we'll be very happy. And our and our sellout point was eighteen, and we managed to get eighteen people in a very high end, you know, mentorship program. And we look back and we're like, interesting. We didn't do, and there was no SEO stuff. There was no pixels. There was no Facebook ads. It was literally old school getting on the phone with people, connecting with people, emailing people, and having conversations with them saying, you know what, this is why you need this service and what I can do for you. And I feel that too many people have just lost that art of communication, mm-hmm. have lost the art of the passion, the passion of what they do so much that they're confident getting on the phone with someone saying, here's why you need to give me money. People would rather spend 45 minutes, you know, updating their posts and using 16 different apps to make it look so pretty and filtered and everything else, and they feel good that they got 200 likes, but they can't sell shit. Yeah. <laughs> and and, that's, and it, it's very true. I mean, I see this all the time. People spending so much time in the wrong place to develop their business, and they wonder why they're, they're broke. They wonder why they're not making any money. I'm like, hmm, how much time have you invested meeting people? I was trying yeah. to invested in actually getting to know people who want your service, nurturing those people, spending some time with them so they actually, you know, we all know the no like trust principles, but people don't get it. You don't build no like trust just off really cool social media posts. You actually need to get in front of people. You need to talk to people, get out to events, do lunch and learn, speak wherever you can, and people start to see you as an expert in your field. Yeah, exactly that. You know, you got to build that trust and relationship and build that rapport with people too, and that's kind of you know, that's a little bit of what I um, teach too, like with my social media like stuff as well. But because it's funny, because so many people because they've lost that that art of communication, you know, we we deny you know 
meetups, you know, agree to agree to going out Friday at seven, and then Friday at seven cut rolls around. Yeah, no, I'm just gonna stay home on my phone and scroll, and right. it's a lot of like duplicating and uh, replicating those same kind of interactions and building trust and rapport on social media, which is a lot harder to do, but it still can be done. But I mean, you're never going to beat that FaceTime in front of a person if you get out and you go do go to these events and yeah. network with other people, you know. But I have to say, in 20 years of my life, the only reason why I am where I am right now, I can always trickle it back to a face-to-face with someone, or I spoke somewhere and met someone who watched me speak. I did a free event somewhere, you know, clients that were with me for a long period of time that you get to know on a personal level. You know, I can honestly say that, like, you know, I, I get a lot of my business on social media now, but only because of all the things I've put into the past. Yeah. And when people get to know who you are, what you've done, you know, everything up to that point, I, I created without having to worry about how many followers do I have, how many people like my photo right now. None of that shit really matters. And, I mean, it's good to have. It's good to have if it's the only piece of the puzzle you have and you don't have the rest, you're going to be, you're, you're going to be hurting because... I mean, the problem now, social media is so powerful. I, mean, I, I have to say, like, it's, it's the most powerful platform we have, but it's also the most diluted. Yeah. And it's so hard. Like, you're, you're fighting algorithms that change, I don't know how often, you are fighting to get attention from, from, from people that are constantly being pulled in thousands of different ways every single day to try to be noticed. And it's a very, very loud platform. And to be able to, you know, speak to people or get to know people and there's that quiet of, of interaction, I find it will always be more powerful. And in fact, the people that are still able to do that or maybe some of the younger generation who are going to do that, some of the simplest things that you can do right now will probably benefit your business way more because nobody else is doing it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what would you say is the one characteristic that you think that every fitness professional should possess then? Grit and patience. By, you know, 100%. People think it's, I need another certification on this. People think it's like, oh, I need to read 17 more books on that. You need to be able to, you have to be willing to work. You have to be willing to bust your ass. And, you know, the way I kind of teach this in our courses is that I, I want trainers to learn how to become a farmer. People look at me like, what the hell are you talking about? I'm like, you need to learn how to be a farmer. They are the hardest working people you will ever meet. They're the ones up early in the morning. They're the ones planting seeds. They're the ones who's, they're, they're weeding the garden. They're tending to the soil month after month after month without seeing any benefit whatsoever. But they have faith that if they keep doing that every single day, stuff will start to sprout. And we have a generation of people now who will plant some seeds and two days later they get no business out of it so they stop doing it. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it, it's a very, it really is just like farming. Every single day you've got to plant seeds, you've got to work hard, you've got to do the things you don't get paid to do. And you have to have some faith that the fact that, you know, some of the stuff that I'm going to do now will benefit from me maybe two, three months down the road. And I actually look back to the first time I reached out to you was September. Mm-hmm. That's the very first time. We're now in, in, you know, middle of November. I reached out two months ago. We, uh, I don't think the first message was, was responded back. I was persistent. I reached back out. I emailed saying, hey, just see if you got my message. And we finally got to the point where we have a conversation and we booked a time to do this today. Yeah. You know, so if I just send out one random message, never heard back from you, said, oh, screw it. But I prefer to have some patience but also some grit. So I'm like, you know what? People are busy. I'm not going to sit there and say, oh, wow, they're horrible people. They didn't get back to me. 
I'll just keep on. I'll just keep on. I'll keep on knocking and knocking and knocking. What the fuck, Andy? Come on, answer your fucking email. (laughs) The thing is, like, I'm guilty of that as well. And the people who are persistent, they catch my attention. You know, because I have a lot of people always messaging, hey, can I intern with you? Or, hey, can I follow you for a day? And I'm like, what the fuck? No. Who are you? (laughs) You know, but then you come across these people that are like, look, man, I've been following you for a long time. I got a lot of respect for you. Can I borrow some of your time and take you out for lunch? So I'm like, hey, man, that's pretty cool. Let's, 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 let's work on something. So, you know, looking at something like this, this was a two-month planting and nurturing and follow-up before we can finally do this. It didn't happen in a week. Yeah. You know, you didn't reach out to me. I reached out to you. And there's a lot of people in this industry now who just think that, I'm sorry, but it's a freaking entitled generation of people who think that success should come to them instead of them feeling the need that every single day – they need to work on busting their ass to make themselves successful. Nobody oh, owes you yeah. And, you know, people think, well, my posts are so good or, you know, I put so much, so much work into some of the stuff that I'm posting or I'm such a great trainer. I'm like, yeah, you're supposed to be a great trainer. That's why people pay you. What else <laughs> are you good at doing? Don't you better be good at it. But you know what? I hear that all the time. You know, people going, like, their pride is, well, you know, I, I get my clients' results. I'm like, fuck, you're supposed to. That, that's yeah. your only claim to fame is that you get clients' results because, you know, i got to be honest, you need to do a little bit more than that to make yourself exceptional. It's the little things that you're doing for your clients. And, you know, getting back to your question, like, people just don't have the patience, and I really don't think they have the grit. Now, grinding and grit are two different things. I fucking hate the word, I'm grinding it out today. Yeah. People have this, this mentality that they're grinding and they're grinding and they're grinding. I'm like, dude, if you're grinding your gears, something is wrong. There's too much friction there. There's more work than you need to do. I see people wasting their time doing shit that's not important, and they think that they're grinding. To me, grit is just, you know what? You bust your ass. No matter what, you know what the end result's going to be, and every single day you work to get there, no matter what. And you know what? You don't have to post about it every day. You don't have to post yeah. about how hard you're working every day, because the fact is if you're working that hard, you probably don't have time to be posting about how fucking hard you're working. Yep, true that. And the other thing, too, is, I think just now that, you know, the society that we live in, you know, everything is, you know, available to us right away. It's, we can get, you know, shipping, you know, overnight shipping, Amazon shipping, you know, instant gratification on everything. And I think we're being conditioned on this instant gratification through, you know, we can order stuff through drive-thru, we can, you know, we get those likes on a photo, all that instant, everything's instant. And I feel like it's stripping us away from, you know, having that patience and, you know, recognizing that, you know, good things take, you know, they will take some time. you got to stay at it. You know, everything isn't always going to be an overnight express package coming at you, you know. Just 100%. Because, you know, and it's just, it's, I I see that so often with people giving up. It's like, well, how long have you been at it? Well, two months. It's like they're losing hope and they're stressing out. And it's like, come on. <laughs> like, you know, it's just, I started my, like, finally when I went with my consulting uh, stuff, I started back with uh, January already, so almost a year, you know, and it was a great start. There was a lull and then start up again. But, I mean, if I would have, like, you know, so I tossed the towel in, in the lull, you know, I wouldn't be where I am right now either. So it's just, and that's, a, that's already a year, and that's still in the infancy stage, you know? And people just, people just are just too quick to freaking toss it and give up. And, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just like training for a, a, fit, a physique show. 
you know? I was just, it was funny, so I was just about to say, I know you're asking me the questions today, but I want to ask you a question. <laughs> you, 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 you being in the, you know, in the competitive world so much, and I, I used to be a prep coach as well. Um, I competed in 2002, never again, wasn't for me. Um, you know, but I see people now, like when I grew up, I grew up in idolizing guys like Frank Zane and Franco Colombo and Arnold and, you know, um, when I was in high school, Jay Cutler was just coming on the scene. The guys like Nassar and Dory Nates, all these guys. And, you know, they, back then, like, to be at that level, they talked about, like, the decade of training they did to finally yeah. get to where they are. And now do you notice, like, people think that they're entitled that, you know, oh, I've been training for a year or two and I deserve to be a pro. Yeah, no. <laughs> and, but, I mean, I, I, do, you, do you see that more often now than you did 10 years ago? Um, I definitely, I definitely do see that more often now. And then I think there's like the, there's the odd, like 0.01% that do luck out that'll get pro in a year. And it makes, right. gives a lot of other people, cause I know, you know, some people, they'll take in, you know, up in Canada, it'll be, you know, win at, uh, provincials and then what is it? Nationals. And then, you know, after nationals, there's a three, I can't remember what it is in Canada, but, you know, I've known some people that'll get it, you know, win show after show after show right up to their pro card and get it. And then everybody else, you know, they see that and they're like, well, what the fuck? Why can't I get that? Like, it's happened in a year for them. Why can't it happen in a year for me? And for me, I've, I've always been patient as fuck. Like, when I competed, I lucked out on my first, you know, the WNSO fame. Maybe I don't know if you remember Fame. Yep. Yes. <laughs> I, I actually my... spoke to uh, to Michael Ryan, who now runs that organization. I spoke to him last week. Oh wow. Yeah, small oh, world. Geez. Yeah, small world yeah. indeed. I mean, I lucked out and I won my show with them. But I mean, when I was at w, with WBFF, I mean, it took me four four times. Um, you know, win my pro card over the span of like two thousand what, like three years, four years, and now I mean, I gave that up. I gave up my pro card. Now I'm trying to get an ICE pro card, but I'm not even in a rush. I started back up again here a couple of years ago, but uh, yeah, I mean, when it, when it happens, it happens. And you just got to understand, just be patient. I mean, it's, it's the right combination of uh, work, preparation, and, you know, how the judges feel on that day. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just the, the right combination of each. And if it, will, it happens to be a full moon, maybe, or, you know, the Venus is visible. I don't even know, but there's a certain combo out there where it just happens. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but I definitely see that more now, and I think yeah, people just need to sit down and just be patient. I wish people. Had, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna start teaching courses on just patience because I think people <laughs> don't understand uh, just how much it requires. I mean, not only for for own your self growth. Yeah, uh, who I am now is not the same person I was three years ago, five years ago, ten years ago, and I almost feel like unless you go through that process, you can't actually achieve certain levels of success because you're not you're not even ready for it. Oh, very. True. And mm-hmm. you know, and I, I've gone through circumstances, um, you know, about two years ago where my success was rising exponentially, financially especially, and I had no idea what to do. And yeah. I found myself sabotaging myself. I found myself, you know, wasting money um, just because I wasn't ready for that level of success, you know, which which really brought me more in some of the mindset and personal growth and personal development. Um, you know, people can only be as successful as they are internally. They can't they can't outgrow themselves. It's, it's very challenging. So unless you continue to grow, your success won't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. A lot of people, you know, they won't have that self awareness to look inside. And, you know, be able to be honest with themselves 
like, hey, <laughs> this may not be the best decision. I, I better, I better chill. Yeah. Uh, so now we talked about kind of people being patient and stuff, you know, practicing, you know, kind of that mindset and everything. And when, when in your life did you realize like the power of your mindset? So there was kind of three separate areas. Uh, and, and, and so, um, like I said, I played very, very, I mean, high, high competitive hockey, um, right from the age of, of wherever you are in grade four. So, um, you know, nine years old, I was suit tie as extreme as my life, you know, five days a week is all I did for, for pretty much over 12 years. And, you know, at a very young age, I really understood visualization. It was something that was taught to us as, as athletes as well. So even at the age of around 10, I remember like sitting in the car and visualizing games while my dad was driving and knowing the benefits of doing that. Now, I only knew it, you know, being that young, I didn't exactly think like, hey, how does this work for the rest of my life? I'm like, I just want to play video games and go to school. Who cares? <laughs> so, you know, but for sport, I really understood that there was such a huge benefit of, of understanding mindset, routine. And it wasn't until I was about 22. So I was 22 years old. I was in Ottawa. And I still remember the gentleman, if he ever hears this, it'd be really cool. His name was Ed Quark, and he was like my first mentor. And uh, Ed owned a, a consulting, he was a chiropractor that also owned like a, a consulting coaching business called Warrior Coaching, where he would take all these chiropractors and teach business and stuff like that. And I remember, I, 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 was, I think it was like a Monday night, like 7 o'clock at night, Ed asked me, he's like, Joe, what's your five-year plan? And I remember looking at him like, five-year, I'm like, Dude, I'm 22 years old. I don't have a five-day plan. I'm one drinking this weekend with some friends. That's about <laughs> all I know. And he was the first to really kind of harp on me. And when you're 22, you're like, five years. Like, how can I even predict five years down the road? And he gave me a box set of Tony Robbins' Get the Edge. And I still have that CD somewhere in my house. Oh, wow. There's a whole, I mean, like seven different CDs that, that, that went through a whole different bunch of stuff. And that kind of got me on the track. I mean, being 22, and this is early, early 2000, like 2002, whatever it is, uh, 2001. Um, you know, being 22, early 2000s, like, this stuff wasn't popular. Yeah. You know, there was no social media. I don't even think YouTube existed back then. Like, um, you know, this was way back in the day where if you were, like, unless you had some issues, you were working with these, you know, motivational speakers. And there's just something about it that I was just drawn to. And, and that was kind of the first time I started to really work on, I guess, now that you look at it, more mindset, positivity, looking at things differently, setting up plans, visualization, that kind of stuff. But it wasn't really, that was my, like, my first kind of touch with it. I would say it wasn't until about three years ago that I truly, fully appreciated, understood it, and really used it. And about three years ago, I went down to New York. I did some NLP training. And that was like my first, like, holy shit, like, are talking about like rewiring my brain. This is pretty cool. Yeah, I really truly appreciate the way people work, and and I think once I start to really understand, you know, the conscious subconscious mind, limiting beliefs, and the way people are triggered, the the way they sabotage themselves, it really started to make me look at business, life, um, everything from from partnership to fatherhood to everything I did was was in a very different light, understanding that you know what. What I say doesn't really matter if the person who's listening to me isn't taking this in. You know, the program that I give my client doesn't mean shit if they're going to go and sabotage themselves. So it really isn't about the program, but setting them up for success and then making sure that we can also work on them from a mindset perspective so that, you know, they're actually following through with their plan. They're working on themselves. They're working on personal development. 
Um, and I see this a lot with, with business coaching. I see like, endless amount of times you can literally spoon feed people, but if they're not ready for success, if they're not ready for money, if they're not ready for change, if they're not ready to change who they are, they won't be successful. Yeah. And so the last three years have been really, really huge for me, and I've done a lot more work, and I think most of my work now, and I, mean, I traveled, I was in San Francisco this year, Germany this year, um, taught a cancer-prone trial this year, and all my courses were about nutrition, but I didn't talk once about actual macros or protein or carbs or fats or any nutrition at all. It was just a mindset to get a client to buy into your program and how to get them to actually to stay on their program using mindset tricks and understanding how their brain works and why they can't follow your plan. Because, I mean, from a nutrition perspective, go to chapters, buy any book. I don't give a shit what book it is. Follow it for 12 to 16 weeks. Your clients will get some success. Mm-hmm. It, they all follow very similar principles. What, what's going to happen, though, is after four weeks, they don't want to be on anymore, and they, they fall off. Yeah. And so I think to me it's, it's become more important and more apparent to work on understanding how the mind works and what motivates people, what sabotages people. That's first, and then the plan comes second. Yeah, I mean, because you can lead lead a horse to water, but you can't force it to drink. No, you can't. <laughs> yeah, and I, yeah, it's true. You can, like you said, you can spoon feed them. But yeah, that's really you know. And I don't think a lot of people you know even consider that approach and like starting at the core of it with the, you know the the person themselves, the client themselves, with their own you know dialogue that's going on in their head. You know, their previous limited beliefs as to why they can't you know achieve this or do this or it's it's really, you know, a curious thing to to see and to understand, like, how everyone is so individual like that with their own, you know, roadblocks that they set up for themselves. And, and we all have them in some way, shape, or form, some of them bigger, some of them smaller, some of them in different areas. And, you know, once you can recognize those things, it is amazing. You know, I've worked with some really good NLP coaches, and it's almost as if, like, it, it really does feel like, re, you know, rewiring where – in a very short amount of time, you decide, hey, I don't want to be like that anymore. I want to be something different, or I want to have these beliefs instead. And, and you know, a lot of people are, are led to believe, like, oh, this is who you are. I grew up this way, or this mm-hmm. is who I am. Take it or leave it. I'm like, no, that's just who you want to be and continue to be. Yeah. If you actually want to be someone different, if you want to be more driven, you want to be more successful, you want to be anything you want, it, it, you know, you can make that decision to do it. It just requires a little bit of work to retrain your, the way your brain works. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. And it's it's almost like, you know, I've got I've got some family members, too, that have kind of succumbed to that and like, well, this is just the way I am now and I can't. And I was having this conversation and I just, you know, there was, there was just no getting through to them already at that point. And I, you know, left the conversation on like just feeling horrible that it just they couldn't wrap their heads around the fact that they can, you know, retrain the way that they, they have that inner conversation with themselves what is possible what you know what they can do instead and saying oh this is the way i am now like it's too late for me and it's like no it's not too late like you just want to bang their head on the wall but but you know for some people i find especially with the mindset stuff like we we, some of us may seem like it's really easy but imagine being like a hundred thousand dollars in debt and someone saying hey you know what you can get out of it and that person saves and saves and saves and at the end of the year they've saved $20,000, $20,000, and that's a huge accomplishment, but they're still 80 in debt, and it still feels like a huge burden. People don't realize the work, or, you know, the longer and longer and longer you sit in that state, it's almost like the longer and longer and longer you're in debt, mm-hmm. and it takes a lot more work and a lot more saving, a lot more consistency to get you to that point, or someone who's overweight by 200 pounds, they're obese, 
you know, they lose 20 pounds and nobody notices. That's kind of hard. You're like, yeah. all that work. Why? Yeah. It's, just, it's just easier to enjoy the food that I want to enjoy and live this way instead. Because it's, it's almost like it seems like it's too far from them to actually achieve until they reach kind of that tipping point and things start to change, their mood starts to change, people around them start to change. Then they start to really notice the, you know, the benefits of, of living a different life or a more positive life or you know, wanting to be better than who they were the day before. Yeah. Uh, I know if only it were if only it were so easy to make them see and get everybody, you know, and say get them to get them to see themselves through your eyes, you know. Yeah. Then it's all possible, and I mean, you just want to help everybody as many people as you can at that point, because yeah, it's just I just feel like too many people are just getting drowned in you know the negativity and their own thoughts and just give up way too easily. Agreed. Yeah. So what would you, um, what would you say is the best advice that maybe it's, it was your mentor that you just mentioned previously that's ever been given to you, Joe? <laughs> um, I mean, I, I've been given a lot. And, and so I'll break this up. There's two pieces of advice that I've gotten. Neither one of them from people I know, unfortunately. <laughs> um, and, and the first one was from Jack Canfield. And Jack Canfield being from Chicken Soup for the Soul, um, he had written a book called The Aladdin Factor. I don't know if you've, you've heard of it or if you've, if you've yeah. read it or listened to the audiobook. Um, you know, and, and this is something I came across about 12 years ago. And the advice, just the simple advice that is anything that you want, just ask. And I love, I mean, that's one of my favorite books. I literally have in every presentation that I teach, there's a picture of the genie from the cartoon Aladdin. And I talk about this <laughs> book and, you know, people don't realize that we, we walk through life and we almost have this magical lamp that all we have to do is rub it and ask. And if we ask the right way and we become so good at asking and the right people and the amount of asking that we can do is limitless, we're bound to find someone to give us exactly what we need. And I find too many people are too shy to ask. They're just too, what if they say no? What if I look like an idiot? I'm like, who cares? Yeah. You know, I, I managed to literally open up a gym facility and I had no resources, had no money, and within a very short amount of time had my dreams come true right in front of me. And I am a master asker. I mean, the only reason why we're doing this today is because I asked you more than once. Yeah. <laughs> <And so laughs> if you don't the, ask, the answers always no. Right. And, you know, when I, when I asked the first time, I didn't get a yes. So I just asked again, and then I found different ways of asking until we finally made this happen. <laughs> and I literally have screenshots on my phone. Like, asking is a daily thing that I do. It mm -hmm. has become such a part of, of, of my success and who I am. I love to ask. I don't care if I'm at a restaurant and I want something extra. I don't care if it's just someone grabbing me a coffee. I don't care if it's asking my kids to do something they want to do. or It doesn't matter. I love asking because it, it becomes fun. You know, and when you get really good at asking, you realize how much fun life can be because you're like, holy shit, <laughs> I can pretty much have what I want, you know, if I'm willing to ask and then work for it. So that'd be yeah. number one is the ask. Number two, the, these are three things that I live by. And they were, I, I still remember being at Good Life, being 20 years old, and this was in my bio. So there's three things that I live by, which is number one, self-confidence. Number two, a positive mental attitude. And number three is honest, hard work. Those are just three things that I try to adopt in everything in my life. So number one is being confident in everything I do. I love, you know, exuding confidence. I love, if you're not confident in what you do, people see that. They're not going to pay money 
for them to teach, for you to teach them something that you're not confident about. So I find you know, something that I, I instill in my kids and myself is just to be confident in life. And number two with that being, you know, a positive mental attitude, I hate people walking around and it's just like, oh, woe is me. Or, you know, you just scroll through social media. It's like, oh, bad luck again. Oh, life sucks. Oh, I hate my job. I'm like, really? Yeah. Is life that bad? And, and you know, there, there's, a, there's a quote that I, 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 let bore, I, I lent out um, to a friend of mine this week so he can do a post on it. You know, and it said that, you know, life doesn't suck. You suck. Yeah. You know, so if your life really sucks, it's not life that sucks. Life is fucking awesome. You suck at life. So when you actually walk around with a positive mental attitude, things start to change. And lastly, just honest hard work. I learned this from my grandparents, from my dad, from my family. You know, you can't be, you can't be afraid to bust your ass and work. And the funny thing is, the harder I work, the less I talk about working. You know, because it's not work. I'm, I'm building a future. I'm building, I'm building opportunities for myself, my kids, my family. It never feels like work, and I love that. And so if people can walk around just doing three simple things, have confidence, a good attitude, work hard, life becomes pretty easy. Yeah. If only if only people would adopt all of that. <laughs> not hard. Yeah, no, it's not hard. But, yeah, that goes back with the having patience, too. I mean, what – and with you know, adopting all that, what would you say is the biggest challenge uh, facing fitness professionals in the industry right now so because we don't have a whole day, I'm going to condense this a little bit because, I mean, there's, I can go on. I can categorize <laughs> this. I could spend an entire fucking day talking about what's wrong with this industry right now. Um, there's a lot. Oh, my God. So I'll say I'll, I'll just cut this down to three things. And we've already talked about the first. The first one is patience. I, I really don't think that people in the fitness industry right now have the patience to make the, a career out of this. You know, people people take their, their two- or three-day certification course. They look the part. They have a few clients and think, this is all I need. So, so number one, I think, is just creating more patience in this industry. Number two is understanding the business side of things. I really don't think people truly appreciate the fact that just as you look good and you know some program design, there's way more to it than just designing programs and nutrition plans. Like, there's a lot to the business side of things, and if – you know, people listen to this right now. If you've never read The E-Myth, that's a great book for it. Uh, Michael Gerber wrote The E-Myth, and it just talks about different levels of business and, and the difference between working on your business and working in your business. And if you really want to sustain a life as a trainer, you need to learn how to work not just in it but on the business so you can make some money. And then the third thing I find is just having a passion for it. And what I mean by this is, you know, people are, are getting their education now 60 seconds at a time, meaning, hey, you know, have you taken that course before? Oh, no, no, I follow so-and-so on Instagram. I'm like, oh, congratulations. So you're, you're learning how to become amazing 60 seconds at a time and not seeing the whole picture. <sighs> you know, when I, when I started this in this business, like, we would get flyers sent to the gym and be like, hey, so-and-so is doing a course in Toronto. So-and-so is, you know, so-and-so is doing an internship in, in Montreal or down in Chicago or whatever else. And you would have to like get in your car and drive these places and you spend two, three, four days doing programs and, and, and getting to know these people and understanding different aspects of training. Yeah. I've done a lot of, I've done some pretty amazing internships and certifications and I've spent time with some amazing people in this industry, like far too many to even count. And the amount of relationships that I've built by meeting these people, not just taking their online course, the information I've gathered, shooting the shit with them, going, you know, going out for lunch or for dinner or getting to know them on a personal level and seeing that, like, you know, they're only teaching me a snippet of what they can fill into a course. 
And, you know, I think having a passion for this and learning from so many people taught me to create my own toolbox. And what I want to do and what I've done for 20 years is I've met with the best mechanics of the world and the best and the worst. And I just said, hey, what tools do you use? Show me. Awesome. I like that one. I'm going to add to my toolbox. Meet the next guy. What do you have? Hey, I like that too. Add it to my toolbox. And you build your own toolbox over the course of the years. And people now have a very small toolbox with very few tools. Yeah. And they think that everything can be solved with the two or three tools that they have. They really don't see the bigger picture. Very true. And I mean, it's growing and learning from others too and like taking advantage of that and, you know, going the extra mile to, you know, build up, you know, your toolbox as you call it. You know, I think a lot of people can just, think that they can just get by on a certification and, you know, slap on personal trainer on their Instagram bio and be done with it. And that's all they'll ever need. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, people are, people are going to do what they're going to do, but I mean, it's, it's all about learning. I mean, hopefully they'll they'll learn down the road or learn from failure. Cause I mean, if that's their mindset on that, they're going to fail probably faster than what they think. And speaking of failures, what's your most favorite failure, Joe, and what did it teach you? Yeah. They're all my favorite, actually, but <laughs> I've, I've, I've got some big ones. Um, your most favorite. I'm fortunate to put this into a few because they all taught me the same thing. I mean, these are some big ones. You know, I've, 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 I'm a university dropout. I dropped out of my second year of university. I moved out at a very young age. I was 18 years old. You know, thinking I can do it all. I'm awesome. I'm the man. Screw you. I'm going to live on my own, go to school work full-time, do it all, I just, it landed me into a huge amount of trouble between drugs, debt, you name it. I was now, you know, a young kid with, with nowhere to live, with addictions and no money. And that was a huge, huge, you know, failure. Um, going from an elite-level athlete, I was an enriched student all my life to now dropping out of school was probably the biggest crush I've ever kind of dealt with. Um, you know, I bought in franchises that were horrible, lost thousands of dollars. I've been through a divorce. I've been frauded. EPC was frauded over $30,000. I almost lost EPC. This was over two years ago. And all these things taught me the same thing. And that was, I can always start over. No matter if I lose everything, you know what? I have the ability as of tomorrow to start over. And I was told once that, you know, never sacrifice who I am, never sacrifice relationships or happiness for money. Money can always be made when you understand how to. So I've never been handcuffed from that perspective, no matter how much I can lose, I can wake up the very next day and say, Hey, great. I can make it back. And, uh, you know, a lot of these failures about like just kind of always, always reinforce that fact. And then, you know, in fact, I'm kind of lucky that all these things happen very, very early to me. Cause I mean, I've been around some people who, who lost their job and they're freaking out because they don't know what to do or people who are in a relationship and they get, you know, they're, they break up and they're lost. And they don't know what to do. And, you know, when you understand that, hey, you know what, no matter what, I don't care how fucking bad shit is, I can literally, if I decide to, wake up tomorrow and start all over and acquire everything back. Mm, very powerful stuff. It's very true, though. You can always, it's, you know, being at rock bottom, there's, you know, the only place to go is up. But, you know, it's easy to say that, but I mean, I see people at rock bottom who just say, you know what, yeah, that's where I deserve to be. I think there are people who I, I literally watch them, but, you know, I think you like being at rock bottom. You like the sympathy. You like the, oh, things suck. Give me attention. Give me attention. Because it's easier than actually picking up your fucking socks and busting your ass to get out of rock bottom. Yeah. 
And, you know, I, I literally, I saw a post today, right, Sarah, and, you know, it's just literally, you know, the post was like, oh, you know, someone pissed me off right before my job interview. Thanks a lot. You know, it's so hard for me to find a job. And, and now you've gone and done this, and now I can't get the job. And I'm probably saying, like, look, no one can piss you off. You decide whether or not you can be pissed off. Nobody yeah. controls yeah. your emotions but you. You decided to be pissed off, and then you decided to let that affect your opportunity to get a job. Look in the mirror. It's your fault, not anybody else's. Mm-hmm. You know, and you scroll through posts like that, and, and people like that, just, do they love the attention. They love the woe is me. Like people, like a lot of people just don't like taking personal um, you know, control. Yeah. They'd rather, they'd rather the responsibility for it. Yeah. yeah. Put the onus on themselves that, you know, this is this is all you. <laughs> yeah. Like no one no one, you know, inserted the the angry um emotion card into your brain. <laughs> Very <laughs> right. true. Yeah. Oh man. Well, Joe, I wanna thank you so much uh for coming on the show. It's uh been an absolute pleasure um getting to pick your brain here and dive okay, in. And this is a uh, Definitely going to be one for the books on here. I'm really excited about this episode. I'm really sure my audience is going to love this one a lot. So thank you so much for being persistent. <laughs> and uh, well, yeah, nail If down. you ever need a part B, if you need a part B to this, because I like to do the ask and I like to be persistent, I'd love to do another one on any other topics you you feel necessary to help you guys out. Absolutely, I'm down for that. Yes, perfect. Awesome. Thank you so much, Joe. Thank you so much, Linda. I really appreciate it. That was episode 14, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I want to say thank you to each and every one of you that screenshot and show it in your stories that you're listening. It means the world. And because you're doing so, what I want you to do is the next time you listen to one of my episodes, it doesn't have to be this one, it could be one of the older ones, could be a future one. For the month of December, screenshot the episode that you're listening to, upload it into your stories on Instagram or upload it to your Instagram page, tag becoming unfuckwithable. One lucky winner during the month of December is going to win a $50 Amazon gift card as a thank you. So thanks so much and feel free to share your love. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Becoming Unfuckwithable. If you believe you're unfuckwithable, go ahead and share this podcast.